From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 87. Today's show is brought to you by Arc and Memories. My name is Mike Hurley. I am very sleepy, and we'll explain why shortly. And I am very happy to be joined by Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Mike. And Stephen Hackett. Hey, boys. How are y'all? Yeah, good. So I uh, have just arrived home um, about two hours ago from Atlanta. <laughs> How's that feeling? I feel, I feel like I'm still in Atlanta, but like there's part of me that's here as well. It's very. I feel very peculiar mm. right now. I'm mm. drinking juices and and waters, but uh, I kind of feel like I'm very very disorientated right now. Um, so we'll see how that goes. You fly a lot, Mike. Do you usually yeah. kiss the ground when you land back in the UK? No, I think only the Pope does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Okay. <laughs> I uh, thought it was a usual gesture. Anyway. Nope, not, not for me, man. <laughs> not for me. I, it, I'm, I'm used to flying now. Like, I have that whole thing, like, down. But there's, I just don't think there's anything you can do to prepare yourself for a, for a time change like this, you know? At least Eastern time is way easier to recover from than... Uh, Pacific time. And, but I was in Atlanta for uh, the Pen Addict episode 200. Mm, nice. How did it go? It was fantastic. Um, it was very emotional. It was very exciting uh, to have a bunch of people together and we recorded the show in front of a live audience. And I would recommend people, if they've never listened to the show before, just go listen to this because it's fun to hear. Um, and maybe, you know, and, you'll, and we're going to talk about something in a little bit, which uh, makes this even more fun to listen to. Um, but Stephen came down too with uh, his brother and they recorded a video for our Kickstarter backers. Um, and Stephen wrote a really great post uh, about the setup that he used as well. We're into follow up now, by the way. Yeah, we, we sort of eased our way into it. Um, yep. I think I stumbled into it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great weekend. The Pincho is is always fun and it's it's great uh for me at least and i've said this before at the places but it's always interesting to see like a parallel nerdy universe um there's so many things that sort of describe and define like the apple community like those traits are true in a bunch of other places including the pin community it's just the the best group of people uh lots we talked to lots of people all weekend about the shows and what we're doing and um it's just nice to get out and see people and talk to people and um it was a lot of fun, so thank you to everyone who came out and saw the show. Um, I'm glad it all worked. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was thank stress you. around that, but um, it's uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, it's always it's always good to do something new and exciting. So, I wonder how hanging out with Steven's brother is like. In my mind, it's like hanging out with a non-Mac version of Steven. Is that what it's like? Uh, that's basically right. They're very, they're very similar. Like they, <laughs> they look the same. They talk the same. They're very similar. Both very lovely one, people. One just doesn't collect old Macs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, we also have some very serious corrections that we need to make from last okay. week's show. There's a couple of very important things that many people uh, let us know about. So we were laughing about ananas. Right? It's... No, ananas. All right, ananas. Okay. okay. So, yeah, I guess pronunciation is important. <laughs> uh, we were laughing about that word, and it turns out that uh, pineapples are called ananas uh, basically yes. everywhere else except in English. <laughs> it's like every other language has some kind of variation on ananas, uh, except ananas. for in ananas, except for English, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, that we were just like, ha ha ha! How silly that sounds. It's like bananas. <laughs> well, <laughs> turns out, <laughs> turns out, world was right. Mike was wrong. No, see, in this in this instance, you got the fruit wrong, Mike. Yep, it's true. We also need to correct the pronunciation of the first color iMac. Uh, so thank yeah. you to the entire nation of Australia for writing me to tell uh, me that it is Bondi. I have I learned in the last few days that Bondi Beach is clearly very important to Australians. Like it's yes. obviously mm -hmm. something of quite like national importance for them. Uh, so I would like to issue uh, an official apology on behalf of Connected for calling and it the Bondi. and really the the British Kingdom just the yeah. Whole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Just, like, just like Johnny Depp apologized to the nation of Australia, we are officially apologizing to the people of Australia for uh, getting the Bondi Beach wrong. Yeah, We're Bondi sorry. Beach. And uh, we will try our utmost to never get that wrong again because we don't want those tweets again. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, um, everyone. While we're apologizing, Federico, you are ruining someone's marriage, apparently. Am I really? uh, I guess it depends on how it turns out. Did you see this tweet? So uh, John uh, Downing on Twitter uh, let us know that his wife and he are having a little bet uh, between them about Federico getting a smaller iPad Pro at uh, at Mike's suggestion. And John thinks that you you can hold on. I think his wife thinks that you're going to end up with a second iPad. Okay, because I read the tweet wrong initially. Uh, uh, I read that as well, having a little bet on Federico getting a baby. I didn't see Baby Pro. <laughs> that was kind of creepy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a very different kind of bet. That's a very different kind of bet, and uh, I couldn't imagine how I was ruining their, mar- their marriage with that. Uh, but I, I uh, no, I'm, I'm still not getting it the Baby Pro, uh, and I got a bunch of tweets from people last weekend uh, when I tweeted a picture of my old uh, iPad Air 2 that mm-hmm. I was uh, setting up as a camera, and people were like, so you're going you're gonna to switch to the dual iPad setup. No, it's just uh, a camera. It's my old iPad Air 2. It's sitting on a shelf unused. So I thought, you know... I'm paying for a many thing subscription, which is this service that lets you monitor your house with iOS devices. And I set up the, the iPad Air as a, as a camera. So that's about it. Still using a single iPad Pro. So by, we have uh, about five months and a half at this point. So we'll see. Mike has a whole flight to convince me. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your iPad away and just replace it with mine. Yeah, and I see won't notice. Mm-hmm. Sure. So for many reasons, it's a big week this week. Um, one of them is uh, we have a new show on Relay FM called Disruption. Uh, Disruption is the next evolution of uh, Isometric, which was a, a show that we have and have had on Relay FM for a while about video games hosted by Brianna and Steve and Micah and Georgia. But now they've wanted to kind of take the show in a new direction. They want a fresh look and a new format. So we have Disruption, which has a great, kind of new attitude to it. I love the music. The music is the most epic of all music. Uh, And Disruption now, as well as kind of video games, also focuses on technology and culture. And they also have a really interesting call-in element. So like many shows um, on Relay FM, they they have a hashtag for sending in uh, questions and and comments over Twitter. But they've also set up a phone number that you can call and leave a question for the hosts and uh, you can kind of have fun with that. So that's something really different and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. Uh, Disruption is as fun and wild as you would expect from this group uh, and you can check it out over at relay.fm slash disruption. Even if you just uh, tune in to listen uh, to Micah's like disclaimer at the start, uh, he has potentially the best voice in the world. So yeah. you should at least just listen for that. Yeah, and it's probably the craziest show on relay oh it's awesome. yeah i love it yeah yeah it's so go check it out that's a relay.fm slash disruption and uh continuing the theme federico you have something that you're working on this week that you can't yet talk about but for people that listen before the 20th right um you want to yes. kind of just tease that you're working on something yeah uh, uh for the past couple of months uh we've been working me and another person who shall not be named yet um We've been working on this big project that's something I've never done before, and it's finally done. And I, I mean, it seems like you know all the stars are aligned. We're going live tomorrow. There's going to be a video involved, and uh, I'm really excited. I'm really nervous and stressed. I I'm at the point where, and I was just talking about this on our Telegram channel a few minutes ago. I'm at the point where I no longer know if what I've done is good or sucks or it's terrible or it's amazing uh, i think it's good work uh, i've shown it to a few i've shown it to a few friends and the the feedback seems to be positive but you know at that point you're just gonna go live and see what happens and uh, in addition to that which is going to be a video there's going to be an article uh we're also working on this site feature for mac stories it's a it's a new feature it's 
going to be quite nice. And it's just a way to celebrate uh, Mac Stories, which turns seven tomorrow. So it's our anniversary. And I always like to do these little surprises or, you know, new features, new articles for our anniversary. It's a like, nice way to celebrate the occasion. So uh, definitely check it out on Mac Stories tomorrow. Fingers crossed everything goes smoothly. In China, seven is a lucky number. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so this is going to be your lucky year. Nice. Nice. It's also the the number of books in the Harry Potter series. So <laughs> well, I, I, I like that. <laughs> of equal importance, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a magic <laughs> number. It's a magic number. We'll see. This week's episode is brought to you by Arc. We all know that our site backups are a fantastically important part of having a well-rounded backup strategy. But if you want to have as much control over this process as possible, then you need to have Arc in your life. Because what it does is that, you know, it will allow you to do exactly what you want. It will allow you to back up all your files on your Mac or PC, all the metadata. It will encrypt them with a password that only you know. Your files will be safe and secure with Arc. But what it does that's very different, and I think really cool, is it takes advantage of all of the cloud storage accounts that you have and all the free space that you have over them. So you can keep control of your data and use all that unused space. So uh, maybe in your Google Drive, Dropbox, or OneDrive account, you can use those to set up your own encrypted backups of what lives on your machine. You could also back up to AWS or a Google Cloud Storage account as well. You can also back up data to a local device using Arc, um, like a NAS, and these backups are all versioned. So you can go back in time and grab a file that's changed or has been deleted with ease. Uh, version 5 of Arc was out, I think last week it was, and it features uh, a massive overhaul for the app to make it faster than ever. You have more control of your network usage, detailed backup session logging. Um, it when I talk about that network usage stuff, it will now know if you're tethered to your phone and it can prevent backups from occurring there so you don't blow through a data cap. You get detailed email reports so you know what's being backed up. You can run scripts before and after a backup to trigger something fun to happen. Uh, I don't know, maybe you could somehow trigger like a confetti cannon or something. Could you do that maybe? Is that possible, Stephen, do you think? Like if you really knew what you were doing? Yeah, I think so. Okay, but great. you need to be some sort of wizard. I'm sure someone could do it. You could also, it also features auto-updating and a whole host of other small improvements. Visit arcbackup.com slash connected. That's A-R-Q-B-A-C-K-U-P dot com slash connected. And you can find out more and try it for free. Thank you so much to Arc for their support of this show. So Siri went rogue yesterday. Yeah, this is a, a strange story, right? So... Yesterday, midday, 9 to 5, broke the story that if you asked Siri when WBC was happening, it would tell you. Uh, and so a bunch of people took that as sort of an official word and bought plane tickets, etc., including the three of us. And um, then it wasn't until like six hours later or so, Apple finally got the developer page um, updated. And... I mean, who knows what happened? Either the Siri team jumped the gun or maybe the developer uh, page wasn't ready or the web team had some issues. They're having some more issues today, it looks like, which we'll get to in a second. Um, so either way, it's just not not like an awesome uh, way to announce your dates. And especially for an event that is so expensive and, you know, coming up really, it's in like, what, like eight weeks now, seven weeks. and it's not until several days from now that you actually know if you won the lottery. So just, I think the whole thing happens way too late in the year and they should announce it earlier, but that's just me. But um, anyways, I guess the bigger news is that dates have been announced. And I, ha- I have to say this developer.apple.com page is uh, gorgeous. It's yeah, really it pretty. Is. It is. I just want to go back to the Siri thing real quick. Sure. Is someone at 9to5Mac just sitting and asking every five minutes, like... How did you know, they know? It's, like, it's strange to me because in the morning I saw someone from Nine to Five Mac uh, tweet a screenshot of the same question, but there was no answer in the morning. And a few hours later, they broke the news. So it seems to me that they knew it was going to happen. They knew to ask. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the morning, uh, I was just waiting in my car. I was waiting for my girlfriend and i saw this tweet with a with a screenshot and i thought why would you ask and a few hours later i saw the news and i was like hmm maybe they knew 
wouldn't yeah, surprise yeah. me because they know everything. So yeah, I mean, you know, or you you just got to know someone on on a team somewhere who can say to you, "Oh, you should be asking." But it seemed like maybe, as Stephen said, like it Siri shouldn't have been the way that this was done, and I don't think Apple wanted that to occur. In all honesty, it's because it it just didn't. The page doesn't really link to that. Like the page, as you say, is beautiful, and it's clearly much more focusing on code right like this is what it's showing here if the page was covered in siri elements then it would look like that they were kind of doing it to be fun but i don't think that was the case but siri was enough uh to make me go ahead and buy plane tickets so i was sitting in an airport in atlanta (laughs) buying more plane tickets i called federico federico why did i call you why did you call me Mm mm-hmm because you wanted to to do it on the phone because I'm buying tickets with you. Because you're coming with us. Yes, I'm it's going your to first WWDC. Yes. See? It's it's Exciting. crazy. After after seven years of Mac Stories and what five years we've known each other, probably mm-hmm. four or five, I'm finally going to be there. And I'm you you will be my my what's uh, the word? My my chaperone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be a chaperone or a Sherpa, you know, I just take care of everything for you. Yeah. You know? Seems about right. You're, you're a good friend, Mike. Hey, I want to look after you. So Federico's coming to London. We're spending yes. the night in London and then we're flying out to San Francisco together and we're gonna spend a lovely week as a and it's gonna be very fun and we're doing something special. Uh we've been planning this for a while. And we're very thankful that the dates turned out to be what we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh we're doing so uh, atlanta was the first ever RelayCon event um and it was practice for this which is RelayCon san francisco and we have hired out an event space and we have tickets on sale now they are very limited um and we will have a link in our show notes for where you can go to find out more and hopefully get yourself a ticket and you can come join us we're going to be doing connected live um and we're going to have uh some other guests, Serenity Caldwell and Jason Stone, will be joining us as well. Um, and lots of your favorite relay hosts will be in attendance. And we're going to have a, a bar, an open bar for a few hours so we can uh, do some shows and hang out. And it's going to be amazing. And I'm very excited. Yeah, it's it's um, it's a big deal. I mean, like you said, Atlanta's been a practice run, but we have been wanting to do something at WWC for, I mean, really since we started. Like, And, um, I'm super pumped. It's it's great to see tickets flying off the shelves, and um, I'm really excited to be on stage with the two of you and do a show. I'm probably going to cry. Just yeah, everyone to know. I cried a oh, little so bit last week, gonna, so I'm going to cry again. Gonna get emotional. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Should I bring tissues, Mike? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. Okay. Well, the 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 good news is there's going to be beverages. If we cry, we can uh, you know. Lift our spirits. We can replace the liquids again. Yes. There you go. So let's let's go back to talking about um this WWDC page. Uh what do you think about it, Federico? Like looking at the you know, we know the design is beautiful. Yeah. But it's you know, it's it's always fun, I think, to to kind of try and read the tea leaves of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um w- what does this design say to you? What what do you think Apple are looking at here? So I usually don't try to uh to be one of those uh, conspiracy theories kind of people. Uh, <laughs> but three things turned out to me. Uh, the first one is the heavy uh, focus on Swift and programming. I mean, of course, it's a developer's conference, but the the, 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 the Swift theme throughout the web page and all the design, it's kind of, it's different. And the second aspect is the dark theme of the web page design. And third would be what appears to be a monospace version of the San Francisco font. So right now, Apple has two versions of San Francisco, text and display. And this monospace variant, I've never seen that before. And it's, I don't, I'm pretty sure it's San Francisco. Uh, I've seen a GIF on Twitter from someone who's overlaying the regular San Francisco typeface with this new monospace version. And... If I were to come up with a with a theory myself, I would say two things, maybe three actually. Uh, new San Francisco font for programmers, mm-hmm. some kind of dark theme either for iOS or Xcode, and my long shot Xcode for iPad. 
that's what I would read if I were to say, you know, this is a conspiracy. I'm probably wrong, but I don't know. It's it's interesting web page design for sure. I um, I've been thinking this for a little bit, and we've spoken about it. I I would I would say that I would make a prediction that we 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 could see um, Xcode for iPad. I think because it could be one of those things that it could be a swift level surprise, right? Like mm-hmm. no yeah. one knew it was coming because it was just being worked on internally. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like we're working on it. It will be ready in six months, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I can't even imagine how big a project it would need to be, right? Because I'm assuming like if you're gonna have Xcode on the iPad, you will also need to be able to compile on the iPad. That's the question, right? Because when we when we first heard about it, I think uh, John Gruber and I separately heard the the same thing. There was, there was going an uh, there was an Xcode prototype of sorts running on an iPad. Uh, I heard it was on an iPad Pro. John just heard iPad. And we don't know if it was a full-on Xcode IDE, you know, like the full app. You can build apps, you can write code, or if it's just a playground-only kind of a... I wouldn't say demo, but maybe slimmed-down version of Xcode for, for OS X. Uh, that's the big question. Are you going to be able to compile, to write apps, to test apps on an iPad? Is that even going to be possible? Is it going to be iPad Pro only, or just every iPad. seems to me like uh, a full Xcode replacement or maybe a full feature version, uh, maybe with just a few features not available on iOS as a starting point, but that you can try apps, you can uh, build apps, you can compile, you can test them live on a device. It seems to me like it would be a big project and the kind of reveal, just like when Apple revealed the Swift two years ago, uh, I can only imagine the audience, the reaction, what would it be like? Uh, But we don't know if First, we don't know if it's actually happening. Uh, I'm positive that it, that it, the prototype exists. Uh, we don't know if it's happening. We don't know if it happens, what kind of Xcode it'll be. Yeah, because like I can imagine, let's say like you were going to really restrict it, right? I could imagine you would maybe be able to do something on the iPad Pro, the 12.9 inch for iPhone, right? Because you could maybe have a simulator as well. Uh, because the resolution's so massive, right? But it would be very interesting to see if they do this, what constraints Apple would put on it. Because yeah. it's yeah. not going to be able... I'd be very surprised if right now it could do it. Like, you know, there's maybe a way that you could plug two iOS devices together and this, you run the simulator on another device. That would be crazy. Right, like that. I mean, that could be a way to do it. I, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting thing uh, to do, but I I really do believe they have to do it at some point. Like if Apple are serious about um, making the iPad a future computing platform, you need to be able to make apps for it on it. Like that's when I mean that that seems fair, right? That's when like a computer platform has kind of made it when you can make more on it for it, like make more for it on the device. Right. It would definitely be a big shift and it would be interesting to see, like you said, how you do the simulator type stuff. But I think they also have to solve some sort of, um, uh, you know, sharing, you know, file sharing, code sharing system where you could pick up a project from Xcode on the Mac and bring it over to the iPad and put it back and forth and, uh, so what I think about immediately is is the limited way that the file system is visible now on the iPad enough for something like Xcode, where you're dealing with all of your code, but you're also dealing with assets. You're dealing with images and various types of files. And uh, I just wonder if, if, you know, Xcode for iPad, what it would mean for iOS in general. Is some of that stuff going to be more exposed or they're just going to do it in a weird way within Xcode and, and not really deal with it? elsewhere so it's a lot of stuff to um to consider here but i think i agree with you mike that it is a big milestone in the maturity of a of a platform and one that you know i would imagine that the ipad pro is is powerful enough to run it's just um you know is now the time or not but um san francisco being in in monospace you know again like federico i try not to read those tea leaves too much but uh, that seems pretty um pretty interesting uh, change of pace. So 
I guess we'll see. Most definitely. Um, the keynote State of the Union, the Design Awards, and the Bash are at the Bill Graham Center. This yeah. Time, instead of at Moscone. They're splitting it across both places. Yeah. So I've got a, a pair of thoughts about this. I mean, one, the the Bill Graham Center is, is large. It's where Apple did their September event, uh, if you recall. And it, it could be that they want more people to be able to attend those, those events. And so this would give them space for more press and for more developers and for more employees, more of everyone. Uh, but also what I wonder is if they're not going to be using that, that large room at Moscone, then maybe that room will be divided up t- into more sessions and labs. And so it may be that they get to use more space in Moscone for this as, as well. And, you know, for a long time, it's like WC is, is, is it's clearly not big enough. It, it, they clearly can't meet the needs of the community. Even going to this, um, lottery system they've been using for a couple years now they still can't serve everybody and uh, if this you know this adds some transportation issues to people who are attending but uh, if it gives them the ability to have more attendees then I think that's um, I think it's a fair trade-off yeah and it seems like they're going to provide some kind of travel between the events um, I just wonder why why they why they've done it, right? Is it a scheduling conflict? Do they just want the space? Yeah, I, I can't imagine it's a scheduling conflict. My guess is that it's about the uh, the number of seats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess especially for for the design awards. Now that they're uh, doing design awards for uh, four platforms, which means all kinds of developers in the same room at once. Uh, whereas I guess with the sessions, developers are, are split. You know, some go to one session, one session about say watchOS. Other developers go to iOS and OS ten sessions. So it's easier to manage, I guess, the different uh, conference rooms. But for these, uh, you know, the keynote and the state of the union and the design awards, where everyone is gonna be in the same place at once, maybe they just want some room. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. That could be the case. <laughs> We'll see. Maybe they wanted to just make sure they could get everyone in, right? Because it, does it have a bigger... Um, is it much bigger than Moscone? What the room that they use in Moscone? I, I believe it is, but um, that's where I think that it's more about the extra room at Moscone, where they, if they don't use that big room... Because that, those rooms can be configured in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. And if they don't need it for a big event hall, then maybe they can um, divide it up. So... You know, either way, it's it's an interesting detail, but I think it's um, it might give them like more space for labs and stuff, like more. Yeah, of them, yeah, right. Because they yeah, yeah. they don't have to move all the walls around in Moscone or whatever. Right. So I think it's I think it's a good thing. Set it and forget it. Yep. Anything else in WWDC? I'm excited now. Y- yeah, man. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting year. You know, with four platforms, there's gonna be a lot of stuff to do. Um including maybe hardware it's going to be i think it's i think we're going to be in for another 2 hour keynote i think it's going to be a long one hopefully without uh, the apple music segment mm-hmm. yeah no kidding um just something just to mention cuz i see a couple of a few people get like they ask me this question and i don't clear it up i'm not going to try and get a ticket none of us are entering the lottery Correct. we just go to be there and be well, around everyone that's there well i don't i still don't know <laughs> What, if you're going to enter the lottery for the developer lottery? I really would like to attend the sessions. Hmm, okay. Well. Yeah, I know I'm not a developer, but, you know, the iOS 9 review that I did last year, I spent hours going through the session videos. But you can still and go for the videos. You'll still watch the videos. Yeah, but talking to people in person, it's it's another, you know, it's different. Well, I will and speak I will... for myself and Steven then. Not, not in that I'm, I'm still thinking about it uh, because... You know, for uh, I feel like it would be a real benefit to be able to to know uh, to to know what's going to change at a technical level, uh, because a lot of people have told me, you know, next year we would like to see even more from your iOS review. We wouldn't mind having something a little more technical in places. And so I've been thinking about it. You know, I've been listening to the readers. They told me mm-hmm. th- there were a few technical sections in my iOS 9 review. And I, and I thought about, you know, cutting those last yeah. year. And I actually left them in. And people really responded well to those sections. You know, for example, I took a look at the at the code for the, the, 
for example, the API for the shortcut bar in the in the iPad keyboard or San Francisco. And I eventually left them in those more technical sections. And people told me, you know, we wouldn't mind if you were if you went a little more, you know, crazy uh, with the technical aspects because we found them interesting. So I'm thinking about it for for this year. I wouldn't mind having access to, you know, to a proper way of taking notes and talking to people. I'm still considering. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess that's why John Syracuse used to go as well, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you guys told me a while ago that you know John went to the sessions for the same reason, and I, I mean, those are big shoes to fill. But John <laughs> has been an inspiration for me the way that he approached the the technical review, the pros aspect, and the technical aspect. And I would like to do I would like to do something similar in uh-huh. the future. I feel like I've started doing that with iOS eight and eventually iOS nine, and I would love to do something even deeper uh, this year? I don't know. I'm, again, still thinking about it. Well, it seems like more of a re- There's a reason. There's no reason for me to do it. Like, I would just be taking somebody's ticket and wasting it if I was to go. Because I wouldn't understand anything that was being said. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to do anything <laughs> with it afterwards. Uh, I mean, that's kind of how I feel, but I, you know, in my recent reviews, I, I go watch the videos that are uh, appropriate for what I need to do. Um I have this ritual every year that on the flight home I watch the State of the Union. It's um, if you're a developer, it's sort of the the keynote behind the keynote a little bit. It's it's usually two hours long, but it gets into more technical things. Like last year, they said new system font, San Francisco, and in the State of the Union, there's a 15 minute thing about how it works, and then you go even deeper. Then there's like there was a whole I think two sessions about how it works. So it's it's sort of the intermediate uh, information. It's always a good watch. Yeah, the primary the primary problem in my mind is that I uh, I kind of feel terrible for uh, you know if I if I do get a ticket uh, there's going to be another developer who doesn't get a ticket and I'm not a developer and I, and I feel bad about it uh, but I also kind of think about those people who emailed me you know after my iOS review and how useful they found it and uh, yeah and I, and I feel like maybe if I you know, if I could be there, I could save the time. I, was, I mean, last year I spent two weeks just watching the videos at home and talking to developers over email. And to be able to take notes during the event and to talk to people there would save me a lot of time and would allow me to do an even you know better, more in-depth kind of review in September or October, whenever. So I feel terrible, but maybe it's, you know, for for the readers and for the technical knowledge, maybe it's worth it. I don't yeah. know. And they are going, as underscore points on the chat room, they are going to live stream the sessions yeah. this year. Yeah. But I get, I totally get what you're saying about the ability to go and talk to people. I mean, that is that is the uh, really the, what you're paying for with this. Because, I mean, for a long, for years and years now, you could have seen session videos. They've gotten better at getting them up quicker. But it's really the labs and just the, the communicating get to do, not only with their developers, but with Apple as well. Apple engineers are there. Uh that's something that is unique to WBDC. So I understand where you're coming from. And um, I guess we can add that to follow up for next week, see if you did it, did it or not. So Yeah, see what, what happens. All right, should we take a break? Yeah. This week's episode is also brought to you by Memories. And we spoke about this last week, right? We all remember that Everpix flashback feature that we love so much. We spent so much time talking about that back in the day of our... Uh, photo management ongoing segment. This was something that many other services have tried to do as well. But you know, with when you're putting these uh, your photos up into these cloud services, you're never sure if they're around. But I think one that we can kind of think is going to be around for a long time is Apple Solution iCloud Photo Library because it's not pivotal to Apple's business. It's just a part of their overall features. So an app like Memories that allows you to take advantage of your iCloud photo library for these flashbacks is really cool. And this is exactly what it does. It will show you all of your photos that you've taken on the same day as the day you're opening it. So if you open it today, it will show you these are all the photos you've taken on this day in past years. It groups them all together and you're able to travel back in time and revisit those old memories that you might have not ever thought to look at again. You'll get a notification each day to tell you how many memories you have that day. And you can quickly see them in a today view widget as well if you just need that quick fix of uh, a stroll down memory lane you can also very easily use the date picker um, to go and select a date that's specific if you want to go and find something from a date in the past which is really cool so maybe you know wwc is coming up you want to look at your photos from previous wwdc's you can do that too memories makes it easy to then share these photos and if you come across something that you'd rather forget 
it's easy to remove them as well. Check it out <laughs> right now and learn more at memories.land slash connected. That's memories.land, L-A-N-D, slash connected. So just before the show uh, today, um, Apple threw us some more news, which is nice of them. Yeah, they, they know we were recording, so they um, checked it out. That's why Tim so- had to rush his tweet. Oh God! Uh, so let's do, let's do the news first, and then we'll make fun of Tim Cook. The oh. <laughs> the twelve inch MacBook uh, USB C single port Chrome keyboard laptop got updated today. Um, I think the high points from the technical end is that it's got Skylake uh, Intel Core M processors. Now the the clock speed is basically the same. These max out at one point three gigahertz, but the Skylake chip is a, seemingly a lot more power efficient than the the previous uh, Core M. And so this thing is supposed to get, what they say, up to 10 hours of battery life. So, you know, all-day battery life like the MacBook Air. Uh, it also has new Intel HD graphics, which should also be faster and easier on the battery. Um, and they updated the SSD speed. So basically, this whole machine should be quicker. It's quicker on the processor front, it's quicker on the GPU front, and it's quicker on the SSD front. Um, and I've got one of these machines in my household. Uh, the... Uh, like now the previous one and for everyday use it i mean it's it's not in my opinion it's not unusable but it's definitely um slower than you know the macbook air especially when you're doing really performant heavy tasks so like the, when i installed os 10 el capitan on it it was unbelievably slow it took ages and of course that is a not only a disk intensive but also obviously processor intensive and so I'm curious to see how much faster this will be. Um, it's hard to tell by just r- kind of the reading of this because the Core M, I'm not super familiar with it. And it, of course, it's only using this product by Apple. Um, but the rest of the machine is the same. It's still a single USB-C port. The people who wanted a second one aren't getting it, apparently. It's still the 480p FaceTime camera. It still includes a headphone jack. And it still does not have uh, Thunderbolt. And my understanding of this and uh, is that that is a, a side effect of using the Core M. That the, the Intel Core M does not support Thunderbolt the way that the full-size processors do. And so this thing is still just USB-C. Whereas when they eventually update the MacBook Pro, if they ever do it, Apple, take my money that those USB-C ports uh, will be compatible with Thunderbolt 3, but that is not true on this machine. So all in all, I think from a tech perspective, it is an update to the machine that we had. It is not a new machine. That is, This is not a, um, a radically different take on the MacBook. This is just what we've had improved. And, you know, it's still not for me. I think for people who the MacBook was for yesterday, it is still the machine for them today. I don't think this is going to bring a bunch of people who have been on the fence about this computer into the fold. I still think the limitations that were there yesterday are there today. But I am glad to see Apple uh, moving the ball forward with the with the performance and the battery life. Rounding out the tech stuff, the MacBook Air is still around. It survived today's updates. Uh, both the 11.6 and 13-inch are still around. Same price points. The only difference being the 13-inch now comes with 8 gigs of RAM across the board. Before, you could go to 4 gigabytes of RAM. On the entry model, you had to upgrade to 8. That's still true on the 11, but the 13 is all is all 8 gigs. Just like the MacBook Pros are all 16 gig. Um, that's a welcome improvement, but the MacBook Air still uh, wanders on. As you know, I kind of view the MacBook Air as like um, you're watching a movie and you know the character is dead. You know that they're going to die, but the character doesn't know it yet. It's kind of how the MacBook Air feels to me. Oh, but uh, it's still here sad. and still around. It is sad. I like the MacBook Air. And I understand, like, some people were on Twitter were talking earlier. The MacBook Air still has a place, right? Or Apple wouldn't be selling it. It's a price point they can't hit with the MacBook. Um, it is a much more all-around notebook where you got Thunderbolt and a couple USB ports, better battery life. Um, and I, I truly believe this is the machine, the 13-inch Air is what is being sold in the Enterprise as far as Macs and education. I mean, this is a very well-rounded computer. In a lot of ways, it's the most well-rounded computer Apple makes. And until the MacBook can close that gap or the MacBook Pro gets updated and comes down in size and weight, I think the Air's place is safe for now, but I do think its days are probably numbered. I didn't think that 
it would exist past WWDC. You know, honestly, I thought that the, the, the air was over, that the MacBook would be taken over. But that's clearly not the case, right? Because they wouldn't update it now if they're going to kill it in two months' time. Yeah, yeah, I've, I kind of feel the same way. And it, I think the update says something. You know, we have, we've seen this in the past where Apple kind of does the update, but not really an update, and then it sits. So it may be that the MacBook Air is sliding into Mac Mini territory, where for a long time the Mac Mini just sat and got very minor updates very infrequently and just sort of just sort of held held the line and um you know it I think I would feel differently if the MacBook Air got Skylake today um it may be that once they updo once they update the MacBook Pro with Skylake that the MacBook Air comes along for the ride the chips used in the Air and the Pro are much more similar than those in the Air Yep. And the MacBook, so I don't know. Maybe there's another shoe to drop here, but my 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 sense is, is that the MacBook Air is on its way uh, to pasture. So the new MacBook, um, the the what it's been updated with, like the Intel Core M and stuff. Where where does this put it? Can you kind of like give me an idea as to what this thing could potentially be like now? Because I know it's been sluggish, right? Yeah, I mean. Like I said, I'm not super familiar with this line. My guess is that it's going to feel more like the the MacBook Air of maybe just a couple of years ago. You know, a lot of people equate the old MacBook to like a 2010-2011 MacBook Air. That's about where it benchmarked. And so maybe this will move it into like 2012-2013 MacBook Air um, sort of placement. I mean, my guess is that it's going to feel a lot better in day-to-day use, but... Um, I, I really, it's hard to tell. I mean, this is sort of just a, a, at least for me, a little bit of an unknown processor. But um, I would hope that it's a big jump. I don't think it's going to be like the first gen MacBook Air to the second, you know, where they redesigned it. I don't think it's going to be that. But I do think that it will probably be noticeable for most people. Okay. And I mean, additional hour of battery life is good, right? Um, always nice to have more battery life. But what's it missing? I mean, I think I think Thunderbolt is a big deal for people like us. I don't think normal people like like my wife has never complained that she has enough Thunderbolt on her laptop, right? Um, I do think the most limiting thing about the MacBook is still the single port, and clearly that's a line that Apple's going to hold, right? If they're going to do it now, would be the time to do it, and um. I think that's really just a matter of getting used to it, you know, of of buying the adapters if you need them, buying a USB-C to lightning cable, like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. And for me, when I look at the MacBook, um, that's really the reason I don't really consider it. I, I don't love the keyboard, but I could get used to it. Um, I love the screen on it. I mean, I love using my wife's computer. The screen is unbelievable. But for me, it's that I still have to plug a lot of stuff into my computers and the single USB-C port wouldn't really cut it for me. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a machine with a bunch of interesting compromises, and I think depending on what's important to you, there are different reasons where why it may or may not work. So what did Tim do? So Tim tweeted as he does, and um, his first tweet, he mistyped the MacBook URL. I don't know why he didn't copy and paste it, and it 404'd, and that's sad. He tweeted again, and now the store page 404s, um, not because of his tweet, but like the Apple website is broken at this moment at 10 a.m. on the 19th. I'm sure it'll be fixed by the time you hear this. Um, <laughs> you know, Apple used to put the sticky note and say, the store will be back, and they've gotten rid of that, and maybe they didn't need to get rid of it because obviously they're struggling today to get it right. It's just sort of um, a little bit of a ham-fisted launch, but uh, I'm sure it will all be sorted out in due time, hopefully. And, I mean, Federico, you met, you tweeted about like, this, and you yeah. said that you would get one of these, maybe. Maybe. If the My main problem, the only reason why I'm talking to you on a MacBook right now, is that I, can, I cannot record podcasts on an iPad. So if the situation doesn't improve this year with, uh, with iOS 10, I, I really feel like my, my MacBook Air is dying, and we've been observing its slow painful death for a few months now and it's only getting worse uh the, the the keyboard is basically going to die within a couple of months i think 
So if at WWDC I don't see any any uh, audio API announcements, I feel like I should buy one of these MacBooks, uh, if only because it means I will need a Mac until next year, and that means that this MacBook Air is not going to make it, and I might as well just buy a MacBook with these new processors and with more battery life right now, rather than ending up one day with a dead MacBook Air and I have to text you guys and say I cannot do my the show today. So um, I'll see what happens at WWDC. If there's no solution for uh, for podcasting on iOS uh, the way that I like it, I know that there's workarounds, etc. Uh, but, you know, if there's no changes, uh, I'm going to get one of these MacBooks because I have to, not because I want to, because I have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, th- I think for someone to... Um like you who's not using a Mac for very much anymore. I mean, it's a great machine. And when you do need to travel with it, obviously it's like yeah, the thinnest and lightest yeah. thing you can get. So um, I think it makes sense to me. You know, you can get the adapter and plug in your interface and plug in power and you'll be all set. So. Yeah. And I already, I already got the, the power with the 29-watt adapter. So Yeah, oh, buddy. Rolling. It's basically yeah. an iPad. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like, you know, I, I said like I'm interested in trying to get something thinner and lighter for when I travel. I'm going to wait, though, um, and see what the the MacBook Pros look like before I consider this at, at all, you know. Uh, but even then, I'm, I'm not set on whether I would do it. But it's just because I use it so infrequently that it annoys me that it's so much heavier and thicker than my Mac. Uh, my, my Mac is so much thicker and heavier than my iPad, and I have to put them both in my bag if I want to edit in Logic. Right. Um, but I want to see what the MacBook Pros look like before I consider anything, because... If you can still get something really powerful and it's thinner and lighter than what the current one is, which you'd assume, then that's going to be an upgrade for me no matter what. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair way of, of looking about uh, at it from your perspective. I would think if you're on the fence, at least wait till the Pro eventually is announced. Yep. So we'll see. Um, did we want to touch on this strange story uh, yeah. that came out from Bloomberg? Yeah, sure. But, yeah, Federico, could you sum this up? Like, what is what's going on here? Uh, last week, Bloomberg uh, posted this story on a team of people within Apple. A couple, of, uh, I think, a hundred people, maybe. Not clear if it's people from the IAD team or some kind of mixed team with old members and new members. Anyway, there's a team within Apple exploring the idea of having paid search results on the App Store. So. There's no details of how it would work, uh, but the basic idea is uh, developers will have a way to buy uh, spots in search results, uh, similarly to how they can buy results on Google search. Uh, you, I assume this is totally my assumption. You will, you, you, you know, you can define an amount of money that you can pay, and then your your app will show up uh, for some keyword results or you know relevancy. We don't know, and these report from Bloomberg, basically <laughs> the, the people who observe Apple and the App Store went crazy on tech blogs and Twitter. Um, and the, the, the main uh, cause of concern here is that the App Store search is in need of so many improvements and none of those is a new paid <laughs> advertisement business yeah. model. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think John Gruber summed it up quite nicely. Uh, App Store search needs to work better. It doesn't need, you know, paid search results. And it's so odd to me, uh, this story, this possible idea. The story, I would be curious to know how it came about, you know, because it, my, my feeling is someone within Apple got a hold of this idea. They really didn't like it and they licked it to a publication. Uh, so they went to Bloomberg and they were like, you know what's going on within Apple? It's this thing. And because they knew that people would react badly to, to, the, to this rumor. But I also wonder, like, is this really something Apple is considering? Because it's so un-Apple. It sounds so not like Apple to me. Uh, we know how iAd kind of failed for many developers. We know that Apple is not an, uh, you know, an ad company. Apple is not Google in that regard. And the App Store needs so many technical improvements. We're not talking here about conceptual ideas or mm-hmm. you know, uh, principles. We're talking about technical 
problems that Apple needs to fix, especially with App Store Search. And to have this kind of non-feature, you know, uh, paid search results, which only benefits Apple to, to generate revenue of advertisements in search on the App Store, it's really strange. It sounds really, really not Apple-like to me. I can see um, the the path to, to, to how it could have occurred, right? Like the idea of the IAD team was disbanded to do this because there's a kind of an overlap. And then you can see the path of like someone who thinks that this is wrong would then would then kind of try and leak it to, to try and get it kiboshed or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or well, internal sabotage. Yeah. And I can't... I can't wrap my head around what I think about this because it seems like it seems like a way to kind of put a band-aid over a bigger problem, right? Like they're just kind of like, well, we know it sucks, the search sucks, but there's kind of nothing they think we can, like, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. What are we going to do about it? So they're kind of just like, well, we could have people pay, like... <laughs> You know, and and I feel I don't know. I feel like it's just, it's. I can see how they might have got there. I think it's a terrible idea, but I can you know you, I can kind of like see how you end up in this uh, in this in this thinking. I don't know. I mean, I can see how someone from the IAD team it's really upset that they're no longer doing IADs, and now they're like, "What should we do next? Let's do App Store paid search results." Like, I can't imagine how that team must feel like. And it's not fun, you know, to have your team disbanded and not work on anything. So I, I can relate to that feeling of finding what's next. But from a from a, an outsider point of view, from a user's point of view, really, I feel like it's a terrible idea. Uh, I mean, if App Store Search were amazing, right? Uh, if it worked correctly every time, if there were no issues with caching or with apps that don't show up or with results that are not relevant, if App Store Search was incredible, I could see Apple saying, well, maybe we should monetize that in some way. But the fact is that, that App Store Search is really possibly the worst, one of the worst aspects, probably top five worst aspects of the App Store. So having having that, you know, uh, now... Uh, be sort of cluttered with uh, with ads and with paid results. Uh, I feel like it's really not the, the uh, not a good time. Fix whatever is wrong with App Store Search before, and then maybe we can talk about monetizing App Store Search. Because right now, I mean, it already it's already bad, and I feel like people would feel even worse about it if it were you know cluttered with uh, with search results nobody's asking for. What if this comes along with bigger changes like what if this is part of like a massive overhaul and could it make sense there right like let's say they really Uh, kind of make huge changes would it then work i mean we're talking here about a lot of changes right especially when 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 a developer releases a new app and you cannot find that app in the app store that's that's a big problem and the fact that you cannot filter results by relevancy or release mm-hmm. date, or there's all kinds of improvements that you can make to the App Store and to App Store Search. But let's you know, uh, let's let's play devil's advocate here, and let's say that Apple is working on a major change to the App Store and a major new look for App Store Search. Would it be beneficial to to allow developers to have paid search results? I could argue that maybe. If Apple were really strict about it, there could be some kind of like more analytics that they could offer to developers mm-hmm. to monitor the performance of search, how their apps are discovered. There could be maybe an improvements to App Store analytics, but maybe there could also be some kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it, but maybe some kind of way to to make sure that uh, you know scammers or you know spammy developers don't uh, show up with their paid search results for apps that are really not relevant and for uh, you know search queries that are really not relevant to their to their product and it could maybe be even be beneficial to you know small to medium teams and indie developers to spend a little amount of money 
and to have their you know indie app show up in search results maybe next to next to the big time uh, to the big time folks uh, for example i can imagine i don't know uh, you google you search on the app store for word processor and instead of having the top search results for only for pages and word and some other scammy developer uh, you also have a very fine, very, you know, indie-crafted word processor from an indie developer who spent a couple of hundred dollars on App Store paid search results. That could be the, the upside in an optimistic scenario, I guess. The problem is, first, I don't really have a lot of trust in Apple's iAd, you know, performance. And, and I want to say, you know, I really... I still struggle to see iAd as a, as a re real Apple feature, real Apple product. Always felt kind of wrong to me. But let's say that it's perfect. Uh, and that that's where the conceptual part of me comes into play. I, I, I really don't feel... I don't know, I don't feel good about it. Uh, I guess I've always... In, in my idealistic scenario, I see the App Store as a... As a you know, as a as a playing field open to everyone, and to allow the the the, the highest bidder to show up in paid search results, uh, to the detriment of a, of an indie developer, it doesn't sound nice to me. But maybe there's a maybe there's a good way to go about it. Maybe there's a right way to to implement this. I don't know. Because what I'm just wondering is, like, in, if you assume there is a world in which they fix every single problem that exists in the App Store. Is this an okay thing to do? That's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Because, mm. like, I think the argument that everybody's posting right now is just like, you shouldn't do this when you've still got tons of bugs and, and weird features of the App Store. But, like, is that the reason? I don't think that's the reason. I think we just, it just feels weird to have people pay because you mentioned, like, oh, an indie app paid an amount of money. If you're in a big category, you won't be able to afford it because if it works anything like the way that Google would work, um, it's bidding. And, you know, if, if you're making a word processor, you're never going to outbid Microsoft. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's the inherent problem with Google AdWords. And for me, it's... Um, what offsets that is that um, with AdWords, those results are placed next to organic search. And that would be fine mm -hmm. if the organic search in the App Store worked, but it but it just is terrible. So I agree with you guys. So that's that what I'm thinking, right? Because if it works, if everything's fine, I mean, I care about it as much as I care about paid ads in Google, which is not that much. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be part of a bigger scheme, right? It's got to. It can't be this is the only thing going on, or it just or it just doesn't work. Um, but uh. There's the part of me too that just wonders, like, could Apple pull this off? Like, this is really new territory for them, and unless they're bringing people on from someplace like Google, um, they're not gonna, you know, have the the knowledge base that Google has acquired over the years of how this works, how it can be scammed, different ways mm -hmm. people try to cut corners. And uh, so I think if they do it, they've got to do it really well, and it's got to be part of a, of a bigger change. But um, you know, I think I think if those things are true, then this this article is just a part of the story, like you said. Yeah, and I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities that Apple could explore. For example, uh, they could use you know uh, their own algorithm to monitor what people search for, and if they discover that you search for a particular product, they could you know uh, use the system to recommend an app to you that's been also paid for. Uh, and I mean, if it keeps Google afloat, you know, the, the, the search business, the, the paid search business and the ads, uh, there's obviously money to be made from uh, paid search results done somewhat right. And the key aspect seems to be that those results would have to be clearly indicated that they're paid search results, they're not, you know, uh, traditional search results. And they would have to be accurate. I mean, if I, if I search on the App Store for, let's say, uh, Markdown, I don't want to end up with a paid result from some Flappy Bird clone that paid money to have a markdown tag in their in their <laughs> search keywords, you know. Uh, so that they would have to be done right. And maybe if I were to be positive about it, I could see, uh, you know, having developers pay a certain fee 
uh, and have their apps magically show up for people even when people were not exactly looking for them. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess part of me is excited that at least this is in the news that something is going on, that people are paying attention. You know, um, Schiller hasn't been over this very long, so part of me thinks, like, is, are were these changes underway or has he just really hit the ground running with this stuff since it's been, what, like two months since they announced that change? Um, but either way, I think that just that someone is paying attention to the App Store uh, is good, right? Like, it, it just has sat for so long without any changes. Um, and I, I, for now, at least I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that under this new leadership, they could maybe make some improvements. But um, I agree with you guys. It's, there's lots of lots of potential traps here they could fall into. So It would be really interesting if Apple were to decide to do this, but with some caveats, such as, for example, you can only, do, you can only pay for showing up in search only if your app has been updated for the latest version of iOS and for the latest devices. So in a way that, you know, maybe a developer that made a crappy app two years ago isn't able to just, you know, put in their credit card into the Apple webpage and say, I want to pay for this terrible app to show up. Like there will be, I imagine, some kind of rules that you have to follow and having technical rules such as you have to support iOS 10 or you have to support all of the latest Retina devices. That would be, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think it's, um, the whole, I mean, whole thing is just interesting to think about because for so long, at least I felt that the app store just it's kind of like a fixed thing like it is what it is and it's been that way for a long time and that's uh you know maybe that's changing do you think the 30 percent will ever change i know i know infinite time scale blah 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 Mm -hmm. should it change that's a question maybe i guess it depends right like if apple start to do more like if they start to make things better then it probably shouldn't change because you're paying it and you hate it, right? Like you hate so many developers hate so much about the App Store. If they fix a bunch of those things, it makes the thirty percent easier to stomach, you know, right? Because you're already paying it anyway. If they give you more and it gets better, then it makes it worth paying it. I, I guess the problem here would be: let's say that Apple cuts the fee to fifteen percent. Uh, m- maybe that would be a huge difference. Uh, difference for for an indie developer, you know, to go from 30% to 15%. But would Apple prefer to be more helpful for those indie developers than to lose 15% of fees from Clash of Clans and, you know, the the Kardashian games? Would they, which kind of, which kind of uh, option would they prefer? The money from the big time developers who bring in all the billions every year or sort of changing the the livelihood of smaller studios and developers. I don't know. Uh, it, there have got to be some changes, right? Like there's there's going to be something. Um, I'm interested to see if this is something that sneaks in, and if it does, I I wonder what is the whole story around it. That that's what interests me, because I can see this occurring. Um, at some point in the future, and I just wonder how that would that would they would go about pitching that. Well, the the good news is, Mike, it's they have a developer event in two months, and there's going to be a whole <laughs> audience to pitch yeah. this to. <laughs> That's so, the stage. Uh, I mean, imagine if they if they were announced if they announced this feature, and and the, all the developers started yelling bad words at the stage. That would be interesting. So I think that brings it to the end of this episode, right? Yeah. So. yeah. We've pretty much sold out of the, the San Francisco tickets. Like, the, Yeah, they're nearly all gone. So thank you to everyone who bought them during the show. I wanted to have a, a post on Mac stories after the show. You can still post about it, but I don't know. If I mean, if there are no left. tickets, people are going to be yeah, upset there, at me. There are a handful Lincoln. left. You just got to do it quick. Okay. Yeah, I don't have the time because I got to talk to you guys. So, well, thank you, people, for buying the tickets. I'm really <laughs> sorry awesome. for everybody that missed it. Um, you should, if, oh, by the way, members found out about this uh, the evening before. So, yeah. that's why you should be a member of Relay FM. We yeah, let members yeah. know about this stuff first. So, if you were a member, you would have known. That's, Is it true, Mike? Top tip. Is it true, Mike, that only members can touch your beard at the at the show? 
We can try and make that happen. We'll send out a, a, a beard touching coupon to members. And there is, I should clarify, there is a, a wait list on the uh, on the event. So if it is sold out when you go to it, you can opt into the wait list. And I'm sure things will shuffle around, people finalizing travel plans. And so maybe you'll get in. So I would definitely encourage you to, to hit that wait list button if that's what you are presented with on the Eventbrite page. Yeah, you never know what might happen. So put your name in. If you're interested, just put your name in there and then hopefully we'll be able to get some more tickets out. We'll see. All right, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find our show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 87. If you want to find us online, there's a few places you can do that. You can go to maxstories.net, which you should be going to this week. Federico's got some great stuff planned. You can also follow Federico on Twitter. He is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen writes at 512pixels.net, and he is at I-S-M-H on Twitter, and I am at I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thanks again to Memories and Arc for sponsoring this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.